Looking for a special gift for that fag in your life? Whoa, 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 whoa. Get that friend of Armstrong and Getty some A&G merch. Oh. New for 19, our latest A&G logo tees, hoodies, and more. The Punch Violence in the Face t-shirt or the Castigat Redendo Mores tee is available. The Yo, Yo, Yo and the updated Stupid Should Hurt tee. The new Cal Unicornia state flag tee. We even brought back our classic A&G ketchup and mustard logo. Buy them now at the Armstrong and Getty Superstore. Find it at armstrongandgetty.com. says, even though the FBI got information that would raise questions about the credibility of Steele, it failed to reassess its own reliance on him, failed to tell the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court about these problems, and didn't press him on the source of his information. Because they wanted to spy on Trump, and they came up with a reason to do it. It's obvious what was going on there. Welcome you know, to the show. Uh, uh, right. If you don't... Well, okay. Let's let's reset for everybody who's just tuning in. Two articles of impeachment have come out of the committee. One on obstruction and one on abuse of power. They will vote on it this week. The other story is the war in Afghanistan uh, was a sham. We were lied to for 18 years. Multi-part reporting by the Washington Post. And we're going to talk to Mike Lyons coming up in a little bit about that. And we have to ask him about that program where we train Saudi nationals and whether or not that should continue. Right. But the IG report came out yesterday saying the FBI did nothing wrong. We saw no bias. And uh, and the news media ran with Trump is a liar. Let me hit you with a couple of uh, quick paragraphs from the Wall Street Journal today. Then Joe can go off. Um, a trail of FBI abuse from the Washington or from the Wall Street Journal editorial board. The press corps portraying Monday's report by Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz as absolution for the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but don't believe it. The report relates a trail of terrible judgment and violations of process that should shock Americans who thought better of their premier law enforcement agencies. That's pretty well said. Uh, That's exactly the way I reacted. Shocked. My fellow Americans, put freaking Trump aside for a moment. For a moment. And I think y'all are a lot better at doing that than, than our crappy, crappy media, but... Uh, quoting Robbie Suave from uh, Reason.com. Make no mistake, the report chronicles serious wrongdoing with respect to the FBI's surveillance of Trump campaign advisor Carter Page and is ultimately a damning indictment of the nation's top law enforcement agency. All Americans should have serious concerns about the FBI's respect for constitutional principles, ability to carefully evaluate conflicting information, and its competency in general. And then, actually, Robbie goes on to, in absolutely beautiful fashion, unmask the media for what it is. He said the Washington Post's key takeaway was that the report amounted to a, quote, triple rebuke of the president and his allies. That was the key takeaway. CNN's article led with conspiracy theories debunked and called the Russia probe legal and unbiased before conceding serious mistakes that the network predominantly attributed to a low-level FBI lawyer. I have not been uh, apocalyptic about this sort of stuff. Um, I think it's. I, I felt like it's all been overblown about how how far off the rails we are this way or that way. Yesterday was a uh, a moment for me. I, I found that horrifying. 
We now live in a world where people are so partisan or can hate one political side so much, they're willing to let a law enforcement agency act like that and not call them on it. Oh, right. that's horrifying. That's how you end up with a dictatorship. Not because Trump's going to do something. He'll be gone. But allowing the, the FBI to, to, to do what they did and not call them on it, that, that's absolutely amazing. You just heard from Pete Williams on NBC what he was saying there. When they would come across information... They knew the Steele dossier was crap to start with. I guarantee oh, yeah. you that. Oh, yeah. But when they would come, when information would get shoved in their face that the Steele dossier was crap, they would ignore it so they could still use the only thing they had to continue to spy on Trump. Because they think, and James Comey particularly, he personifies this, I'm smarter and more important than everybody in America. I'm above all of this. Without me keeping an eye on all this, the whole thing would fall apart. I believe Trump's a bad guy. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to spy on his campaign because I'm certain he's a bad person. That is what's going on. It's like J. Edgar Hoover. It's It's exactly the same sort of thing. Right. Yep. Well, nobody's said. above the law. Come on, Comey. Are you kidding me? You think you're above the law? You just think you're the sort of person that can be above the law because you're so righteous. Michael Horowitz found that's the Inspector General seventeen serious performance failures. That's a quote relating to warrants obtained by the FBI through the FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Amendment Courts, for the purposes of monitoring Carter Page. The FISA warrant, which was reauthorized three times, contained false and misleading information about Page. It admitted that he had previously disclosed his Russian contract, his contact to a government agency, which is widely thought to be the CIA. The FBI under understand this ignored the fact that these contacts with russians that they were listing is really suspicious and the reason he must be surveilled and his calls to and from trump tower by the way must be listened to the justification for that those contacts the cia knew all about him and carter page has been saying look i've been working with a certain government agency for a long time now and they know all about this stuff but the fbi uh ignored that it further overstated it it overstayed the government's confidence in the christopher Steele dossier ignored Steele's own doubts about one of his own sources it declined to mention that page said he and paul manafort had literally never met we've never met and in general it ignored information that rendered unlikely the theory that page was a russian asset these are alarming failures what the inspector general said was i didn't find any proof that it was motivated by political bias Bloomberg News, who hates Trump, has been, has been pretty fair on this in their opinion piece. They said uh, it matters. What matters about this is because his surveillance, Carter Page's surveillance, gives the public a window in how the process for obtaining electronic surveillance warrants for a, from a secret court can be easily gamed. That's exactly what they were doing. The FBI was playing the FISA court um, by withholding information ignoring uh, information that would come their way so they could keep it going. And yet your your CNNs and your MSNBCs are ignoring all that because it undercuts Trump's, because uh, there was no statement that Trump is right. This was a fix. This was a witch hunt. It's just, it's ugly. It's stupid. It's disappointing, but it's expected. <laughs> yeah, more more on this later, but we want to leave plenty of time for Mike Lyons because we got two huge topics to talk about. The war in Afghanistan we've been lied to for decades, and what is going on with us training Saudi nationals Saudi, Saudi nationals who then kill some of our soldiers. All on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, you know, I think our young men and women that we send to war, our best and our brightest, they deserve better. They deserve an open airing of what is the mission. I've been saying for several years now that I can't meet a general anywhere who can tell me really what is the mission we're trying to accomplish in Afghanistan. Well, Rand Paul, it turns out, according to the Washington Post reporting that uh, came out yesterday and is ongoing this week, the reason you couldn't find a general that could tell you what was going on is they didn't have any idea what was going on and were saying that to each other behind the scenes. And haven't for a very, very long time. The Washington Post with a blockbuster, multi-part uh, piece of journalism about the war in Afghanistan and the way the American people have been misled and the uh, overspending and the waste and the it just it, it goes on and on uh, out this week. It's absolutely fascinating. We encourage you to read it, but to discuss the topic in general. Uh, we've invited uh, Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS News, uh, also a, uh, a man who uh, commanded um, combat uh, troops in Operation Desert Shield and Desert Storm, etc., and knows what he's talking about. Mike, how are you, sir? Oh, good morning, guys. Great to be back talking about this difficult topic here. Uh, yeah, let's and and we've talked about it through the years with you, but can you help us understand why? The military and the civilian government so often just hits, things are going well, we're making progress, things are going great, we're about to turn the corner. Why that drumbeat, even when everybody knows it's not true? I think it's this level of cognitive dissonance. It's not accepting what's what's actually happening. I think um, the report in and above itself doesn't really distinguish between lying, which the people on the ground say that they're not doing, versus failing. There was, there was a lot of failing going on, but it looks like it's being portrayed as they were lied to. So you take that, you know, kind of the bureaucracy is going to bureaucracy mentality. Um, you lay over 16 named commanders uh, in the time frame since uh, the whole thing started. Um, you basically don't have an 18-year war. You have um, 16 one-year wars that, that uh, are led by 18 different individuals. And so, so you bring all these things together. Um, I think the article, and I spent some time yesterday trying to find the other side of the story and talking to people that were involved and um, are, are now doing some self-analysis of, of what was going on. And they're just concerned that this painted of a broad brush because what they tried to do was this. They tried to take an Afghan, a poor country, and make it rich. But the bottom line is Afghan's a violent country, and to take a violent country and make it peaceful is a wholly different mission and something that you know, maybe we shouldn't be trying to do. Maybe, maybe I should back, back up a, a second. Did you know this story was coming in the Washington Post, and then when you first saw it, what was your reaction? No, I thought I knew that this was coming from this particular author, and I think that uh, there was concern that he was going to tell the story the way he did. That it was more of a scandalous, more of a, you know, more of kind of a sensationalist thing. And and when in fact you've got to dig a little bit deeper into the story. For example, um, you got to look at Afghanistan pre 2006 and post 2006. You got to look at it post pre and post surge. You got to look at it, uh, different administrations, three presidents now obviously involved with this. Um, so when you you do have to break it down into pieces, um, the, the, again, that threat of continuity, I would say it's not lying, but it's failing. And, you know, each different technique that was tried in order to gain different results failed. And their But Mike, if, to, Mike if, they're, if they're failing, but telling us they've succeeded and we're making great progress, that's, mm-hmm. I, I call that lying. 
Well, I, yeah, I'm not sure you saw that. You know, we've, we've not had any parades or celebrations about great progress there. It's it's been more or less things are going okay. We're just got to keep it going. I mean, look what happened when the president, this president, decided he wanted to take all the troops out of there. He was told no, and a lot of it just has, has to do with the bureaucracy that's underneath him, the industrial military complex that um, is really somewhat of it's a, you know it's, a, it's its own deep state. It's its own thing that uh, has an, enough inertia to it. Um, I think a lot of the blame falls back. On what I'll call Big Army. Um, our, our army just signs up for these missions at times, and the people running the military um, and, and thinks that they can get these things done. And again, that cognitive dissonance, their inability to recognize what they can and can't do, gets them in trouble. Is, is there something to do with the personality of, uh, uh, of you military people? And this is a good part of you people that are successful in the military. You're can-do people. You're optimists. You look for the you know the good news in a story and figure out a way to fix it. I mean, those are the kind of people that are successful. But those are also kind of the people that are the least likely to say, this ain't ever going to work. Right. Your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, and that's the best example of it. Um, I, 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 I'm involved personally. I know the people. I know the, the commander on the ground in Afghanistan right now. This guy named Scotty Miller is my West Point classmate, and he tells me, that they're doing good things there. And he says, it's like, a, it's, this place is like an ocean and there's just lots of sharks here and you just got to avoid the sharks. Now, you know, we live in a, a country that they don't, we don't have sharks. We're not worried about things like that. And he's trying to paint it in a way that, you know, just, just right over that hill. It's the same mentality soldiers have had. I'll, I'll go back to the Civil War. The, the, go back to the mentality of the military to think just over that hill, if we just get this one more thing accomplished, we'll be good and then things and momentum will roll and, and things will go on our way. Okay, well, that's, that's one of those cultural things in our military. Yeah, that, that's cool, and I get that, and that explains the military end of it. But the reason we have a civilian leadership in, a, in the United States and the way we've done it the way we've done it is so that that won't continue, I guess. How do we not have our civilian leadership, whether it's a president or Congress, were they getting the right information or were they being misled or what's going on there? So politically, um, George Bush invades Afghanistan first, gets distracted into Iraq, recognizes he's not going to get out of Afghanistan. Barack Obama ran under the platform that at Iraq was always the bad war. We're going to focus on Afghanistan. So he comes and doubles down on Afghanistan politically without really thinking through it. He brings in Petraeus, who at the time has this new way of warfare, a counterinsurgency, which is something that the big army doesn't want to do anyway. Petraeus is not necessarily uh, you know, in leading the big army to do this because they've got to do something different. Um, Barack Obama decides to send 30,000 more troops 2009, but they're going to come out in 18 months. John McCain says you can't keep it to a timeline. You know, this, that, this, that, and the other thing. Finally, enough's enough. Donald Trump says we're all coming out, and now everyone says, no, we can't do that because the whole thing will be destroyed. So who wants – Donald Trump at least is going to have the guts to leave Afghanistan. And when the movie's finally over in two years, when the Taliban take back over the country and you know, the, the scene of the helicopter leaving the embassy roof is going to be replayed again uh, that we saw in 1975, at least Donald Trump doesn't care. He's going to have the guts to pull everybody out. And I don't think Americans are going to care. Not much. You know, Mike, that that brings us, I think, to the great permanent overarching questions, which should overarch every conflict we send American boys and girls into. And that is, do we have a specific achievable goal? And do we have a sound strategy for achieving that? To me, having read, uh, you know, most of the multi-part, it's practically a book, um, 
it, it seems pretty clear to me that the answers are are mostly no to those questions. I mean, at some point they they had an idea of what the specific goal was and and a pretty good idea of whether it was achievable. But I mean, that's just gotten swept away like the, the very sands of that hell hole country. Right. The, 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 what happened was, in big army perspective, the counterinsurgency guys, the kind of the you know the grass eaters, the bug eaters, the special ops guys, ran this, knowing that they that they could get this thing done. And the, kind of the big army guys, the tankers, the infantry, those the kind of the regular army guys took a back seat. Well, I can tell you this: the army's pivoted back now towards a focus on a big conflict. We're looking at possibly a conflict with the Chinese, for example, in the South China Sea. We could do something with Russia uh, and Europe. We're kind of gearing back towards that and, and moving away from this. Um, but again, to, to your point, I think that, um, you know, you know, we owed ourselves uh, a better oversight and recognize that we were repeating history b- b- without trying to uh, do the same thing over again. I, I could talk to you about this all day, uh, the war in Afghanistan, but we got one minute left. I want a minute on training Saudi nationals that at least some of them seem to be jihadists. Oh, my gosh. Send every one of them home. I'm furious about this. I can't even think for a second that the president gets on and says, don't worry, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is going to take care of those families. You explain to that ensign, Naval Academy graduate, you explain to that mother on how her son died in a classroom training to be a pilot from a Saudi national. Every single one of those Saudis need to be removed from that school, sent back home, and we'll, we'll set the training up over there. But uh, there's just no excuse here. This president's got to make a decision. You want to support the troops? It starts right now by not putting us in the room there. And if we come to find out that they've infiltrated and there's sleeper cells in these places, um, shame on the FBI and shame on all of us for not figuring this out. I'm enraged over this one, and he needs to do something about it. Well said, Mike. Well said. Mike Lyons, military analyst for CBS News. Uh, Always enlightening. We thank you very much for the time, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we probably should talk more about that. I mean, they're both such big stories. Um. Yeah. Well, we've got follow up on that coming a little bit, a little bit in Marshall's news with the impeachment and the war in Afghanistan and all yep. this stuff happening at the same time. <laughs> Military analyst Mike Lyons was just very passionate about sending all the Saudis home, yeah. and it's uh, awful that we've got that uh, going on right now training them over here that that's interesting I've yeah heard, i was a little surprised honestly but uh well, i can't disagree with them i've heard various takes i've heard passionate takes of yeah end it yesterday get them the hell out of here what are we doing and no this is a program we've had for decades it needs to continue that's what the secretary of defense said it will continue um maybe we should talk more about that later but the fact that it wasn't just one guy See, one guy, you know, he gets radi- yeah. radicalized and sneaks through. Uh, yeah, yeah, that happens. The fact that there were other guys filming it. So how many people were involved in that? How many of the Saudis are, are sleeper cells, as Mike Lyons just said, on our military bases, learning about our very best equipment and planning to uh, kill our soldiers? Well, it, it could be the vetting is just a little bit lazy. And, and we've gotten soft and forgotten that... You know, most of the hijackers on 9-11 came from Saudi Arabia, and that country is a two-headed beast. One being the utterly corrupt but reasonably reasonable kingdom, and and the second head being the hardcore Islamic fundamentalists all over the place. On a lighter note, Sean is eating donuts. Yes, and if you were to assume that this is my first serving of chocolate-frosted mini donuts, you would be wrong. (laughs) 
Well, it's the second time you've done it today. I was just going to ask whether it was the delicious powdered or the fabulous chocolate. They don't taste like a donut that you'd get at any donut shop anywhere ever. That is accurate. Yet, for some reason, <laughs> I went back for round two in seconds on uh, on these delightful little treats. <laughs> I've just had oatmeal too many days in a row. I couldn't yeah. do it again. <laughs> you know, I could see it with coffee, but you don't even drink coffee. No, I drink tea. Okay. Those things, they're good, and I've eaten a million of them they're in my good. lifetime. But they're but not donuts. Sense. They don't taste like a donut in any way. The chocolate doesn't taste like chocolate. And it tastes ins- like if Lego made a donut. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the news now, Marshall Phillips. Now, Democrats are calling it a solemn day as they revealed two articles of impeachment against President Trump. While speaking at the Capitol today, the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler said Trump's going to be charged with abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Today, in service to our duty to the Constitution and to our country, The House Committee on the Judiciary is introducing two articles of impeachment charging the President of the United States, Donald J. Trump, with committing high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, Nadler says his committee could vote to approve the articles by the end of this week. Here's one thing, because I'm saying this is not that big a deal for, for a lot of the country. The stock market is flat for the day so far. You would think on a day that they announce articles of impeachment have been handed off to the judiciary. And the stock market is saying, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Not that big a deal. Not a lot of uncertainty here because we know exactly what's going to happen. And uh, this just coming in, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says there has been a breakthrough in negotiations on a new North America trade deal. This is not a coincidence. No, of course not. The so-called USMCA trade deal, one of President Trump's top priorities, it would replace NAFTA, which was negotiated during the Clinton administration. And President Trump is celebrating the move. He's tweeting that Democratic support for the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement is indeed on the rise. So it's interesting the way we get these one-two announcements. Yeah, well, not, not um, an accident. Obviously, the, the great liability for the Democrats, as they've been obsessing over impeachment now since, well, before Trump was even inaugurated, is that they'll be called the do-nothing Democrats, and they've failed to govern because they've been obsessed with impeachment. Well, th- they're announcing, listen, we're doing something. We're doing something very big on the very day of impeachment. Well, it's, did, it's good strategizing. Did but, you see the visual? So they had, whatever they had, six people out there for articles of impeachment. They had like 50 pe- people on the stage and cameras everywhere for this big uh, trade agreement thing. So they're, they're wanting this to be the story of the day. That's hilarious. The very party that's yeah. impeaching the president wants to bump that off the lead story with something else. Because they don't think it plays well. Wow! Well, I tell you, I don't know if you've been following this story, but now another person has uh, died after that volcanic eruption in New Zealand. They uh, passed away in an Auckland hospital, bringing the death toll now to six. About Boy, that's a caveman death right there. Died by volcano. Yeah. Oh, about boy. 30 people remain hospitalized after Monday's eruption, many of them obviously suffering severe burns. And authorities think there's another eight bodies still on White Island, but they say it's too dangerous to try to recover them. Survivors managed to uh, run into the sea to escape the scalding steam and ash. Emerged oh. covered in burns. Oh, what to do with New Zealand volcanoes? We'll go big on this next hour. Oh boy, uh, is it Trump's fault? Are you at risk? <laughs> uh, now we've got a number of uh, social observers claiming that Americans' drinking culture changed dramatically this year. Huh? 
with phrases like sober curious and low ABV alcohol by volume popping up all over the place. Sober curious? Yep. This <laughs> this year, hard seltzer, which contains less alcohol than beer, was a huge deal, and multiple alcohol-free bars have opened up across the U.S. Have- alcohol-free bar? Yep. What do they serve? That's a restaurant, what isn't it? it? What yeah. is that? Yeah, faux cocktails. It's, it's yeah. a soda faux fountain. fountain. Yeah. Come on down to the soda fountain. <laughs> what, are they, what do you have, kids? A nice malt? <laughs> well, Vox is reporting that the wellness movement pushed by millennials that took off in the 2010s is a big driver behind drinking less alcohol and is pushing people to think harder about what they're putting into their bodies. Millennials don't drink or have sex. What the hell is. is the matter with you people? <laughs> And hard seltzers is just a uh, it's a Zima rebrand. Yeah. That's that's uh-huh. pretty much what those it, are. I, I understand it's not as as it's sweet though and nasty. Yes, that's true. Uh, sweet I nasty. have I know some dudes, big old uh, strapping dudes who knew, know their way around alcohol, who say, you know, it's kind of nice. You just you know, you kind of sort of barely buzzed, and then you can drink it and stay I, hydrated. I drink it on the way to ballet class. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is delightful <laughs> for like summertime. You, you quitter. Sorry, Sean. I just for him, the quitter of all people to criticize our drinking. If I'm if I just got home from ballet class and I want to watch on Golden Pond. On TBS, I have no. One of you those. turned in your criticizing how we drink card, you quitter. Yeah, but for the the, the hard tonics, it's it's delightful for outdoor summer activities. It's not so much if you're trying to numb pain or dull. Uh, Forget dull my problems, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. In general, it just seems as Sean was saying, like people are less interested in drinking just to get drunk. These hey, days. Uh, Sean, oh, asking what? for a friend. How does it do on self-loathing? Uh, it's, it's it, if that's what you're drinking for, it's not going to help you much. Okay, I'll tell my friend. <laughs> there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Strong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. <laughs> a couple of textures want to know what's the first ingredient in a donut on the package. What I don't know. Let's say? see. Sawdust. <laughs> Confectionary coating. All right. Who knows what that is? It's lead. What? Lead. <laughs> <laughs> That's the number one ingredient? Confectionary yeah. Confectionary A meaningless coding. phrase. <laughs> we got to call this something. It's not a food product, so. Let's see. By way, it's whatever this crap on the outside is. Let's call it, I don't know, confectionary coating. I haven't had one of those in years, but I can taste one when I think about it. It's such a unique flavor. Oh, yeah. I'm a powdered guy myself. I enjoy the faux chocolate, uh, but the powder to, to me is the height of the art. Always seemed a little wet for some reason. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> oh, I don't know why, but that's not a good descriptor. <laughs> really, moist? Yes. Wet? No. <laughs> uh, so we got a we got a number of things to talk about. Oh yeah, I know. You know what? I tell you what. One one aspect of the uh, big giant Afghanistan journalism piece thingy in the Washington Post, which is absolutely worth a read if if you can. Is not only the systematic misleading of the American people, with all due respect to our friend Mike Lyons, I, I think there are aspects of military culture, um, and, and oh my God, I'm, I may never get to my point. Everybody, pack yourself a lunch. This might take a minute, um, because I want to get to something. Pack yourself a package of donuts. Um, and I want to get to something non-military about this, but there's a beautiful example in the Washington Post piece 
about how a, a particular sector of Afghanistan, a valley or whatever, a, a, a particular commander would be in charge of it, and he would be tasked with a mission. He would get into it and realize the mission was nuts. It was practically impossible. All he was doing is building sandcastles right on the waterline, and 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 he was just trying to keep his guys alive and 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 get his tour of duty done. Well, the guy previous to him had left telling the commanders that uh, things are actually going quite well. We're making very good progress. We're pacifying the countryside. We built a school, blah, blah, blah. Then this new guy comes in and says, wait a minute, this is a poop show. Well, all I can do is, is just keep my guys alive and maintain. And so he does that. Then at the end of it, he says, yes, sir, we're making absolutely great progress, and blah, blah, blah. And this just goes on and on. And I think it's because, and this is an aspect of military culture that folks who've, who've served have told me about, because poop rolls downhill, bull ass has to roll uphill. It's made clear to you that the sector commander ain't going to go to the general and telling him, yeah, my guys, my command, we're losing the sector. Because the previous three guys said they were doing fine, so he's going to say we're doing fine too, no matter what's going on. And so the the bull ass rolls uphill, and, and then to whatever extent somebody has the balls in the spine to tell the truth and say, hey, you know what, Colonel? Not only is this not going great, it's never going to go great. That guy is silenced or he's penalized for that candor, and that voice never gets one level above. It's certainly not a career move that's going to take you further up the chain. Right, and and I think, uh, and I hate I hate to suggest this since Mike isn't on the air, my client's with us anymore, because he ought to be here to respond, but I think he knows those guys, and he knows that they're survivors in that culture, and they understand that's the way they have to behave, or they will be drummed out or demoted or whatever, and so he has a little more sympathy for them than, than we do as civilians, which I think is actually kind healthy um our lack of sympathy for that because we can't have it but having said that the as yet undiscussed aspect of the giant multi-part piece in the washington post is that the non-military agencies that went at into afghanistan allegedly to do good and establish a democracy and build the country and educate the girls and get the sewers and the roads going and and quash the opioid the opium trade and the rest of it all of those organizations were spending money in astounding amounts. Yeah, I'd like I to mean, hear more about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have to get into that, some of the quotes from the article. But uh, your taxpayer uh, dollars, my friends, um, just absolutely flushed down the toilet in, in numbers that boggle the imagination. Well, if the government's willing to spend lives and not be that concerned about it, uh, then money it doesn't even get, it doesn't even get a, a second look. Right, right. Uh, and and listen, I, maybe we can revisit this in a while, because I've already gotten so far into it, and I might as well finish the thought. But you had Congress voting X amounts of money. You had agencies budgeted the X amount of money. And they would go to their people on the ground, and they would say, I need you to spend um, $3 million a day. And the people on the ground would say... I don't have the slightest idea what to spend it on. This is a backward country. It's prehistoric. This I'm, I'm administering like a medium-sized county in the United States. I have no idea what to spend it on or how to spend it productively. And their higher-ups would say, we don't care. Just get rid of it. Literally what was happening and what is happening in Afghanistan. 
Want to hear more about that? Also, the splinter net is coming. Um, oh, boy. Whether you like that's, it or not. That sounds cutesy to me. Well, it's not, it's not, it is kind of a cutesy name. It's not a cutesy phenomenon, definitely, and it's probably coming. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. aboard a United Airlines flight from San Francisco to Atlanta who was bit several times by a scorpion. Even crazier, it was her emotional support scorpion. Funny. And that reminds me, I retweeted something last night I had come across about the ocean, a little online feature where you can scroll through the ocean from top to bottom and see what beasts live at what level all the oh, way... That's fun. All the way to the very bottom of the deepest part of the ocean that's ever been explored, and it's really interesting to see what beasts live as you go down. I'm gonna I'm gonna show it oh, to my yeah. kids. Oh yeah, you got some freaky freaky beasts down there, way low. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. Um, so your headlines quickly. A wolf eel was one of the things yes. I saw on that. A wolf eel. <laughs> glub glub glub. Um, two articles of impeachment that they have uh, drawn up, and they'll vote on them later this week. Also, Abuse and obstruction. Also, the FBI is super duper scary. That is the headline out of the IG report, regardless of what you were told. More That's on that not way. the headline I heard. More on that later. And there was another. What is the other one? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, the continuing uh, story about the war in Afghanistan and, uh, Afghanistan and how that all came together. We will be talking about probably all week long and, I don't know, maybe for weeks or months to come. Um, the Splinternet came across this last night on Ian Bremmer's page. This is something we've been talking about for a little while. I first became aware of it with Hank Paulson, the old Secretary of the Treasury, on one of your talk shows. He said, I fear China going behind a technological iron curtain and taking a whole bunch of countries with it. And that's the first time ah. I'd ever, I'd, first time I'd ever y- even encountered that idea or turn. And that was with the, the, the trade war and the economies and the, you know, clearly they're on the rise and they want to take over the world and we don't want to relinquish it and all that sort of stuff. And, um, what would be the other, what would be the appeal of the other countries going along with it? Just the ones that are dependent upon China or? Well, well, well currently we make, we invent all the stuff and make all the stuff and then they use it. Um, but they want to have, and so, but now we're starting to ban a lot of their stuff in right. the United States and in other countries. And now, so they're, so they're investing gazillions of dollars in their own hardware. So they're going to have their own whatever iPhone, whatever they invent and their own system. And uh, Ian Bremmer refers to it as the, as the splinter net, as we might be coming upon a world where there there isn't one internet and, and everybody's using iPhones and that sort of thing. There are two completely different systems run by different people for different reasons, and, using and, different hardware and software and everything. Right. And to Sean's question, China is, is trying to sell this stuff as fast as they can uh, for profit. I mean, Huawei, the most prominent example of alternate uh, tech company that uh, the West is turning away from. And they'll, you know, they'll go with cheap and reliable and go with countries that don't give a damn about Chinese oppression. Right. And um, and they'll pay off various countries as they currently are to try to have them in their orbit. It, it's clearly going to become a bipolar world in a whole bunch of different ways, similar to the way it was when it was us versus the Soviet Union. You're either a free country with us or a communist country. We're leaning that way with the Soviet Union. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's headed that way with China, including the Internet. It's kind of hard to picture. I mean, if it actually was like an Iron Curtain where, where there's, there's a, a chunk of the world that all this stuff is happening and we don't even have access to it. You can't access it from your phone or computer like you can now. I'm sure our intelligence services would figure out oh, how. Yeah, the intelligence services, but the average person. I can yeah. get I can get texts out of Hong Kong and stuff like that, but in the future, maybe not. I tell you what, I uh, there are a few questions that I would just I would love to live to be 150 years old just so I could see them answered, and how our relationship with China evolves may be at the top of that list because the idea of us continuing to be so economically tied to them because we're we're a bit of a junkie for Chinese cash and goods and investment and the rest of it. Not a bit of a junkie. We're definitely addicted you gotta um, lower your ideals of freedom if you want to suck on the warm teat of china there you go it's well said my friend yeah. and and the idea that we quit china cold turkey i wish you didn't for- say warm teat <laughs> it makes it even better that's just brilliant but can you imagine if if if, if donald j and and nancy and chuck schumer and, and everybody came together right even Rand paul uh, arm in arm on the capitol steps and said listen for reasons of national security the rights of mankind and a hundred other things we are unplugging from china economically now the stock market would go down 50 percent oh hell yeah it would auto shut down and and that's not a good way to be to be uh, you know in the debt of the evil doers. So you know how we navigate that un uh, you know that I- incredibly difficult conundrum going forward is is a great uh, great mystery. Golden Globe nominations came out yesterday. Everybody missed the headline that Sean has brought us today out of the Golden Globes. For the first time, something happened, and it is pretty extraordinary. We'll hit that at some point next hour, along with all the other big stories of the day. My son yesterday said he's being raised by apes. (laughs) I want to tell that story. That's a a little (laughs) hurtful, I think. I'm being raised by apes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Now, you do have kind of a hunched over walk, but there's no need to be... Kind of a lope. Occasionally (laughs) fling my feces. Raised by apes. Not regularly fling my feces. Armstrong and Getty.